AJ Products, we're dedicated to delivering intelligent solutions tailored for your business needs. Specializing in warehouse and project planning, we bring efficiency and sustainability to the forefront. To elevate your business, visit ajproducts.ie. Irish health authorities are on high alert for measles, a virus that used to kill up to 3 million people a year. Measles is a highly contagious virus. It puts COVID-19 in the shade. Now, an urgent catch-up campaign is to be launched here in Ireland due to a rise in cases internationally. There's been a 30-fold increase in cases across Europe. It's regarded as pretty inevitable now that cases will occur here. It's been decades since false claims linking the MMR vaccine to autism were made. These affected a generation of children who are now young adults. Disgraced and discredited, the doctor who convinced thousands of parents to skip vital vaccinations for their children. Andrew Wakefield's already been stripped of his medical licence. Now he's been called a fraud. Vaccine hesitancy remains amongst parts of the population and rates of uptake are lowest in counties Louth and Meath. But there will be nothing that will persuade people more than a tragic case of a child who's affected by this disease because it scares the life out of doctors who've seen it. I'm Sarah Hapollock and this is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, the threat of a measles outbreak in Ireland. How the potentially deadly virus could soon be in our midst. Paul Cullen is the Irish Times health editor. Paul, can we just start with the basics. What is measles? And looking back through time, what was its impact historically? I mean, how many people used to die from this disease? Sure. I mean, everybody, we think, has heard of measles, but maybe not. Maybe younger people haven't because it's receded from our consciousness thanks to vaccines. But measles has been around for hundreds of years. It was spread, I suppose, when the sailors started sailing during the Renaissance, spread to all parts of the world. So you know you have measles when you have high fever, cough, problems with your eyes. That sounds pretty generic, but it's characterised by a particular uh, red rash that may spread across the body and um, may be preceded by white spots in the mouth. Many people who suffer measles will experience diarrhoea, very high temperatures. Uh, some experience ear infections. In one in 20 cases, it can lead to pneumonia. And there are more serious cases, more rare, such as brain seizures and blindness and in very rare cases, death. Um, It was responsible for, you know, every so often there would be large outbreaks. And in those years of large outbreaks, it would be responsible for, you know, two to three million deaths per year. So it was a real killer. Um, It also maims as well. It doesn't just kill um, blindness, deafness. Um, So it was a real scourge. And then along came a vaccine and and then it was combined with vaccines for uh, mumps and rubella. And that's the vaccine that, that, that most kids get nowadays since the 1980s in Ireland. What was its impact in the decades that followed? The vaccine was introduced in Ireland. The measles one started in 1985, I think. And then two years later, it became the MMR, measles, mumps and rubella combined one from 1988, I think it was actually. Uh, and the, the effects were, were very striking. Um, For example, there were, just before that, in 1985, there were 10,000 measles cases in Ireland. Two years later, there were 200. Oh, my God. So it really went down, yeah, yeah. And there was very high uptake at first. So, actually, at first, how was the vaccine sold to people? Were people, did people in the mid-80s just see this as an obvious thing they should do because it would save lives? 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you have to remember the parents of that era would remember the Ireland that was rife with infectious diseases. I mean, if you look at around the time of the Rising, for example, you know, there were hundreds of children dying in measles outbreaks mm. in, 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 in Dublin. And, and that continued into the early years of the, the state. So it would have been seen as a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So under that vaccination programme that started in the mid 80s, how many vaccines does a child get and when do they get them? So the child um, is normally, uh, it requires two doses, first one in about the first year of life um, uh, and then the second one at the age four to five um, and that should give protection for lifelong protection. So some, people, some person is protected if they have received uh, immunisation or if they have previously had measles. And if someone does get measles, is there a cure no, this is the thing. There is no cure. Yeah. There is no cure. It's, uh, you know, take take a ibuprofen and uh, see over the worst of it. Now, for most people, uh, it's it's characterised by a rash, maybe preceded by some spots in the mouth, mm-hmm. fever, just all of that kind of discomfort. And for most people, it'll probably clear in in seven to ten days. Mm-hmm. Although you're highly infectious. And can I, I can't emphasize it. it is highly infectious. It puts COVID-19 in the shade. In a, in a room, one person in a room full of unprotected people will spread it to everybody. So now close to 40 years on from when that um, vaccination programme was first introduced, we are seeing measles is on the rise, both here in Ireland and abroad. So... Where are these hotspots? Where is it becoming problematic? Yeah, actually, it, it isn't on the rise in Ireland yet, but the fear is that it may, 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 that may happen. And the reason is there's, there's a huge surge in measles cases or a considerable surge in measles cases um, across Europe. According to the World Health Organization, it's Europe region. Last year, there was a 30-fold increase in, in measles cases across the continent, uh, about 30,000 cases, five deaths, not a huge number of deaths. For example, I noticed, I was looking up this area just a while ago there, in the year 2000, there, were, there was a measles outbreak in Ireland and there were three child deaths. So five in Europe, you know, it, 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 but, but the toll of, of um, illness and um, lifelong conditions that you have to add to that is considerable. So it seems inevitable that if it's right across the rest, uh, the rest of Europe and there have been hundreds of cases in, in the UK and England in, in, the last, uh, in the last few uh, months and right through last year. So it seems inevitable that it, w- that it will come here. In actual fact, there, have been, uh, there were just four cases notified, notified in Ireland last year, all of which involved some, uh, a family returning from a place where they'd obviously picked it up. Um, and so far in January this year, there have been no notifications, but it's seen as pretty inevitable that we will get some cases. The question is, do they then spread and become a considerable outbreak with, with all that that implies? Who is most at risk, Paul, if this does spread to Ireland? It'll be children and also pregnant women. And, uh, and sorry, those who don't have protection. So the question is, who doesn't have protection? So at the moment, we have about 85% of the population are, are vaccinated with MMR. Um, so they're protected. And a small, well, intestinally small number of people have actually had this disease before. But that figure is uh, it drops even lower. So then, in some counties, you would you would have one fifth of the population who are not protected. So the disease is most likely to spread among unprotected individuals, um, and especially younger people, uh, small children, and young adults. You'd mentioned that in some counties there would be higher numbers of people who are not vaccinated against this. Do we know why certain areas are 
more likely to contract it? We don't, but um, it could be to do with the, the, the strength and coordination of the public health effort in a particular area. Um, there has been disruption to public health programmes, obviously, during COVID. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a certain amount of catch up going on there. And so it's not just the, the, the efficiency of the original vaccination programme, but the catch up programmes that have been organised. So, as you mentioned, this has been outbreak across Europe, particularly in the UK, but here in Ireland, there is genuine concern that it's going to spread here. What is the Minister for Health and the HSE doing about this right now? They recognise the, the dangers that's there. And since late last year, the HSE has been trying to up its communications, firstly. They have organised with GPs for um, catch-up campaigns um, for young babies who mightn't have got vaccinated. Remember, people are coming into the country as well mm. from other health systems and mightn't have mm. had uh, the offer of, uh, of immunisation. Um, now, I, I can't account for how well um, disseminated those communications messages are, mm. but uh, certainly the awareness is there. They've also decided to move the second dose uh, of the vaccine, which is given, as I said, between ages four or five, from the second term of baby infants or uh, junior infants to the first term to get in earlier. Um, so there are those incremental measures that have been taken. Measles has been a notifiable disease for a long time, since 1948. It's now a notifiable disease um, such that when a case arises, um, a doctor has to get on the telephone and immediately alert the mm. public health uh, officials. It mm. sounds quite old, fish, uh, old fashioned. You can imagine somebody on the blower there with an old fashioned <laughs> phone saying we've got one. Mm. But that's what they're, what they're looking at so that they can stamp on any individual cases and stop them becoming larger outbreaks. Mm -hmm. So about 20 years ago, uh, disinformation around the MMR vaccine started spreading and we began to see claims of links to autism. Can you tell me a bit about that and why it began? Yeah, so as I mentioned, the, the vaccine came into Ireland in 1985 uh, and the MMR vaccine in 1988. Uh, and I presume it came into other, uh, was offered in other Western countries around the same time. Um, then in 1998, uh, an English doctor, he was a gastroenterologist called Andrew Wakefield, produced a study that was published in The Lancet, which appeared to link the MMR vaccine to autism and good problems in autism. Which was first published in The Lancet in 1998, had come under heavy fire in the scientific community. In 2004, 10 of Wakefield's 12 co-authors removed their names from the paper. The Lancet retracted the study, citing numerous problems with its methods, as well as ethical missteps and financial conflicts of interest. A few months later, Wakefield lost his license to practice medicine in the UK. It was taken away from him. And now the medical journal BMJ is calling his study more than just bad science. Its editors say it is, quote, an elaborate fraud that has done long-lasting damage to the public's health. They're talking about the fact that a lot of parents... And that had a cataclysmic effect on uptake rates, not just in Ireland, but in other countries. They immediately nosedived. It's taken many years to get them back. And um, he eventually moved to the US, where he still holds to his belief that there is a link and is prominent in the anti-vax movement. So it's been a long, hard road back from that point where the uptake rates dived um, quite considerably, um, to the point that now we are at 85% uptake of the MMR vaccine, when the World Health Organization's recommended level for herd immunity is 95%. Mm. So in no part of the country, I think in one part of Dublin it comes to 94%, but in no part of the country does it even meet that threshold. So it leaves us open to the risk of outbreaks, not wide, not, not 
across all the population, but of, uh, among the, the portions of the population that do not have protection. Um, and therefore, the risk could be quite acute in places, for example, where um, people congregate. It could be schools or mm. international protection centres or anywhere else like that. So that's where the risk is going to arise and that's where the, the, the areas of high alert you mentioned that the Minister for Health and the HSC are going to really ramp up their communications programme around measles. But you also mentioned that some cases may be among people who have moved to Ireland in recent years and might not speak English as a first language. There were criticisms of the HSC during the pandemic that not enough was done to ensure that all the warnings were properly translated into different languages. Do you think the health service has learned from that and will be better at disseminating information around measles? Insofar as I know, the HSC is now versed in producing communications material in quite a lot of uh, number of languages, in particular the, the ones that are relevant to people who are coming into the country. I can't vouch for its communications yet on on measles, um, but I know people who come applying for asylum or for international protection. Um, Health checks are a fundamental part of it. And one would assume that the communications are made there and hopefully that they're made effectively. Um, that's not to say that they mightn't come up against a degree of resistance um, because cultures are different. Um, so uh, simply handing out a leaflet may not be enough uh, and a bit more persuasion might be needed. But there will be nothing that will persuade people more than a tragic case of child who's affected by this disease because it scares the life out of doctors who've seen it. Coming up, the legacy of disgraced medic Andrew Wakefield and his false claims about the MMR vaccine. At AJ Products, we're dedicated to delivering intelligent solutions tailored exclusively for your business needs. Spanning offices, warehouses, industries, workshops, schools and public spaces. Specialising in warehouse and project planning, we bring efficiency and sustainability to the forefront. Our offerings include versatile storage solutions and comprehensive office project design and implementation. With over 45 years of experience, we stand as your trusted partner in smart B2B solutions. To explore all we have to offer, visit AJ Products and elevate your business with AJ Products. How much did the fears created by Andrew Wakefield's disinformation campaign affect other vaccine uptakes in the years that followed? I'm thinking specifically about the HPV vaccine when that came about. Did it create a sense of fear about vaccines in general that they could affect children's health? Yeah, I think think we have to go back one step, first of all, Um, Vaccines are, are, are the single most effective health intervention, more than any drug uh, that have been introduced on the planet. Mm. You know, as I mentioned, three million deaths a year from measles mm. down to very few. However, because they're taken by huge numbers of people with very different systems, they're wired differently, their systems are differently, there can be adverse reactions. Mm. They're very small generally and they're, they're, there's a lot of surveillance to see that that, that doesn't happen. So, for example, we have a case in Ireland where a spine flu vaccine uh, is associated or has led to court cases involving people who, who allegedly suffered narcolepsy. And the state has recognised that and is organising um, redress schemes. Mm. It is right and proper that we 
like, as with any medicine, and vaccines are a medicine, that we test the safety of, of these products, you know. Um, and the problem is that uh, little nuggets of information or individual experiences that are untested have been magnified hugely by people who have a, an agenda against particular vaccines or all vaccines. Mm. Um, and given what we've been through with the COVID pandemic, and the heated uh, atmosphere around that, um, the debate around vaccines and anti-vaccine sentiment goes back hundreds of years, um, but it's become incredibly inflamed. Journalist Brian Deere uncovered the Wakefield fraud, but nothing, it seems, can kill off its impact. I think it goes down to individual identity of people who, for whom it's important to believe that they're smarter than doctors. So you see big clusters of unvaccinated children in Northern California, close to San Francisco. And you're right, uh, the controversy, the concocted controversy around the MMR vaccine has affected the uptake of other vaccines. Um, and then it was followed by, and probably was, it helped to egg on uh, issues around the cervical cancer vaccine, it, where in Ireland, uh, groups of parents alleged that their teenage daughter's health problems were linked to that vaccine. Again, not found to, be, to have any basis. Um, and there was eventually pushback by uh, patients, cervical cancer patients. Hi, I'm Laura. It's 12 months since my HPV vaccine video was first launched. I've just learned the amazing news that the uptake rates for the HP vaccine is now 70%. That's seven in 10 of this year's... If that was effective enough to, again, to recover the lost ground that, that, that had been caused by that controversy. But that takes years. And for all the vaccines, I think, you know, if, if, if a controversy hits one vaccine, it affects them all, and that's going to be the way it is. So it's, it, it's quite a difficult... Um, and long battle that has to be fought. It's no quick, there are no quick wins in this situation. I want to ask Paul about the generation of children who might have been directly affected by the Andrew Wakefield misinformation back um, 20 years ago. These children are college aged now and thus mixing in social situations all the time and could be particularly vulnerable to measles. What can you tell me about them? Yeah, I mean, actually, one of the good things about the COVID pandemic was that those kids, that cohort that you were talking about, were just around 18 uh, or so, because it was 20 years or two decades after the Wakefield controversy and the subsequent drop in uptake. And they were all locked up like the rest of them <laughs> for a while. So in a way, there mm. was a protection. And and COVID and the lockdowns and so on acted as a firebreak for a lot of um, infectious diseases for a while. But of course, they bounced back. And, and, and that's what we're wary of this time that they will bounce back with, with renewed vigour. Um, so it is ironic, yes, that that um, that one of the age groups that is most vulnerable to the disease are now at the time of their lives where they're most likely to mix intensively and, and they're at, therefore at risk. And that's one of the reasons why the HSC is considering uh, going into the colleges with the catch-up campaign uh, to try and get people vaccinated however late. We have to talk about this very bizarre uh, anti-vaccine rally in Washington today. Here's RFK Jr., the son of uh, the former attorney general. Um, he's an anti-vaxxer. It feels like the anti-vax movement that we heard so much about a couple of years ago during the lockdowns has gone actually quite 
quiet since COVID, but are they still active? Are they still bubbling under the surface and having the same impact that we saw? Um, it might appear that way, but I, yeah, they're still around. Yeah, I, I, again, I'd say there is no harm in in examining whether um, there are issues around the COVID vaccine for some of the COVID vaccines or whatever. Um, I, I constantly get communications from people who have concerns, um, not constantly, but occasionally get um, communication. And I try to look into them and I try to talk to doctors in particular fields. And even some of those doctors, some of them have concerns, it's fair to say. Um, they're very much a minority. And again, what I said earlier is that uh, when huge numbers, billions of people are taking a vaccine, it's inevitable that small, uh, that at least small numbers of people might be affected by it. So, and it's always worth watching out for those signals. And we have a system set up and we have to make sure it works properly to ensure that any signals that occur and they're called signals, you know, where there's some indication of adverse reactions are properly in, um, passed on down the line and investigated. Um, so, uh, you, you know, I mean, we, we they haven't gone away. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. in the US is, is, I think, running for the US president. He's probably one of the best known uh, vaccine skeptics or anti-vaccine. Um, advocates. What we're seeing today is what I call turnkey totalitarianism. They are putting in place. I think it's they, it, things are quiet here, uh, but not so across the uh, Atlantic. And any of our any of my colleagues who've been out reporting on anti-immigration protests and so on. It's always been a noted feature that anti-vaccine sentiment is component of those kind of uh, protest marches, which is kind of an interesting uh, mix. Um, so I'd say watch the space. Paul Cullen, thank you so much for your time today. That's it for today. For more of Paul Cullen's health coverage and the latest breaking news, go to irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Sir Hapollock. Today's episode was produced by Aideen Finnegan. In the News will be back tomorrow. <laughs>